How's it going, Undone? Um, I am actually, I'm genuinely really excited to be able to be giving you the message tonight. Obviously, I would have loved to have been there, like, you know, in live action, jumping up and down and um, just, you know, screaming the name of God everywhere. But unfortunately, the Lord had different plans and I totally busted my ankle. And it was probably the most hilarious story that you will be able to find. Not really shocking, considering 2020 and the year it's been. But um, still interesting. I'll share it once it's uh, relevant to a message or, you know. But I won't be going long. I'll definitely be back next week. But in the meantime, um, we're still going to be like sharing the message of God because it's the final week of the series Unto Us, um, which is, it's been honestly a great series. I'm never a supporter of uh, Christmas in November. I've been pretty explicit with that. I've been pretty honest. I don't really support Christmas until December and then I'm all for it. But saying that, I think this series has actually been awesome. We've heard from John talking about God with us. We've heard from Joel talking about God for us. And we've heard from Ben talking about how God can move through us. And there's, so many, there's been so many opportunities uh, this month to kind of take a step back and focus on what God actually wants to say to us through the Christmas story. Because even though I don't agree with Christmas outside of December, I think the Christmas story in the Bible is um, it shouldn't be like relegated to just one month. It should be talked about all the time. So I'm actually really excited that I've been given this opportunity to talk. So I don't have um, a title like God something with us, but I actually am talking about something called the Christmas story, um, but also something called crazy faith. And that's because when I was reading the Christmas story, I found fundamentally that it's about um, people who had to take crazy steps of faith, giving back to God the glory that he um, was like you showing. And I think it was really interesting. I kind of want to share about that with you tonight. So even though I'm on a screen, I really, um, I just pray that you really focus in on what God might be saying through me to you tonight. And I just pray that um, what he has to say is relevant to you and that you might actually be able to take a new leap of faith tonight. Because that's where I think he's taken us. So in the time I have, I kind of want to talk about the Christmas story in a way that isn't really uh, normal or comfortable for us. Because I think... It's Christians, especially when it comes to the Christmas story, it's so easy to kind of just shove it to the side, turn up to the Christmas pageant. I think that's happening sometime with Dwarf Hope, so I'm definitely turning up for that. Um, but then we kind of treat it as just a story, that, and we kind of take the meaning out of it, and then just kind of get excited about our gifts and, the, and who's coming, not the in-laws, but who else is coming to you know, Christmas dinner, and we kind of lose sense of the story. And I really want to dive back into that and what God is calling it to us. So the Christmas story is all about people who had to take crazy steps of faith. And that's because they had to raise the bar of the responsibility that God was giving them. Okay, so what I'm talking about here is that tonight I think God is calling us to raise the bar of our faith. And to do that, we're going to have to choose, um, we're going to have to choose to accept a challenge. All right, and we're not going to, we're going to have to do that because the other option is comfort, and while comfort sounds nice, um, growth and comfort can't coexist. We can't have one and not the other. So if we want to choose to grow in faith tonight, then we need to choose challenge over comfort, all right? You with me? So we're gonna, to do this, we're going to have to look at the Bible, because if we're going to be honest, the most challenging piece of literature that we could ever read is the Bible. And that's because in our own world, with our own structures and our own desires and everything we've done for ourselves, we, it's kind of comfortable, isn't it? You know, we, we kind of set this bar for ourselves based on our understanding. 
that is really easy to hit the goal, you know what I mean? Because we're just achieving something that we set for ourselves. But God actually, in the Bible, it's all God-inspired. Every, every word is God-breathed. And so from that, we know that it's fundamental, doctrinal truth. And because of that, there is this bar that God set when we read the Bible that is something that we um, should ascribe to, hitting it with his strength. So going for that, raising the bar of faith by reading the text, because that is something that we know is God's understanding, not ours. So we're going to read the Bible, basing everything we're learning tonight off the, under, like the truth of what the Bible says, not our understanding of what the Christmas story is. So not what we think, but what God knows, all right? So saying that, I want to suggest to you tonight that the Christmas story is designed to elicit a response of faith from us. So it's not merely a story of God's gift to humanity, but it's a chance for us to grasp his vision for this world. So I'm actually going to focus on the story of the wise men um, from, from Christmas. They probably don't get a lot of a shout out, aside from the free guys in the Christmas pageant. And I really feel like we're going to use that story tonight to, as a lens to examine what God is calling us to. All right? So let's get into it. If you have your Bibles, uh, good for you. But if you don't, obviously it'll be on the screen. So Matthew 2, verse 1 to 2. And it says that now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, there's only two books in the Bible that actually mention the birth of Jesus. So the Christmas story as we know it. That's Matthew and Luke. And Matthew is the only one that really talks about the wise men. And um, with those few lines, we can actually kind of discover a lot. So first off, I'm just going to get this out of here. There were not three of them. There were more than three, most likely. The Bible never says how many there were. Also camels. Don't know how we put camels into the mix. We kind of thought it was Eastern. So we're like, let's put them on camels and let's give them, let's make them free because otherwise we have to hire a ton of more dudes for the, our Christmas pageant. I don't know how that happened, but it was definitely more than free. So I just want to get that out of the way. History tells us that these wise men, or magi as they were also known, were from Eastern empires. And they would have been from a, a, a large upper tier group from places probably like Babylon or Assyria. And because of that, they would have had their own belief, they would have had their own religion, their own rulers, their own structures, all right? So you might be asking, how the heck did they know that, you know, Jesus was born and that he was the Messiah because that was obviously not preached in Babylon, like, you know, they would have had their own gods. Well, Israel had a lot of experience and um, contact with these empires, like Babylon actually was the place where Israel went to exile at the end of the Old Testament. And we know that because of that, we can assume that these wise men at least would have studied, most likely definitely knew the scriptures of the Old Testament. And by examining that and by paying attention to what Israel believed in, they would have realized that this, um, these signs actually signaled the birth of the Messiah, you know, the coming of the Lord Jesus. And they probably would have um, actually referenced verses such as Micah 5 verse 2, which says, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrath, who, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from the old, from ancient days. Now, Tommy talked about this a little bit, so I won't, um, a few months ago, so I won't go into a lot of detail, but the whole Old Testament, all of it points to the coming of Jesus. So if we want to go back, and in your own time, obviously I'm not going to do that tonight, but if you want to go back, there are so many promises in the Old Testament 
that signify the birth of Jesus or the coming of the Messiah. And that's the instruction that the wise men would have read. So they had read that instruction and they chose to do something about it. It had changed their perspective. This is going to lead into our first point of tonight. And so if you're writing down notes, um, everyone at Youth Group writes down notes, so I encourage you guys to do this as well. First point is that for faith to grow, we need to have a crazy revelation. All right? So just as the Magi came to recognize the arrival of the king, you know, the, the king of kings, um, so we, through re- reading the word, were invited into a larger narrative than anything that we could accomplish on our own. We're invited to partake in a greater revelation. Now, that revelation can kind of be summed up in John 3, verse 16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So that means that we're not lost. The narrative changes. We're not um, individuals just caught up in this chaotic existence and left to do whatever we find fit for ourselves. That clearly says, that verse clearly says that we were lost, that we were sinful and flawed beings, but but God in his grace sent his only son so that if we choose to acknowledge that he is our creator, that he is our saviour, then we're able to partake in a heavenly existence with, with him. We don't have to fear death, but we can actually look forward to spending eternity with our God. See, this series is so important because it's a reminder that this story, it's not just um, a pivot, like it's not just one part or a small moment. It actually is like the grand unraveling of God's plan for humanity. It's the start of a change in our lifestyle. So it wasn't just one event. God who recognized that there was no way we could ever reconcile ourselves to him, he chose to send his son so that we might actually find a revelation that we're not alone in this world, that we don't need to pretend like we have it all together or um, be on our own, but we can actually choose to ascribe to what to the revelation of Jesus, that he actually saved us. So we see that in um, actually the verse immediately after, in John 3, verse 17 and 18. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now, that might feel like a repeat of the salvation message, which if if you are a Christian, you're probably really familiar with it, but the Bible explicitly states that It's a revelation of God's love. And through that revelation, we can change how we perceive um, our nature and our character. So if we took Jesus out of the picture, just take him out of the picture for a minute, we're left to build a narrative um, and a revelation on our own understanding. And then all of a sudden, we find that we're only really pursuing meaningless things in this life. And we see that by when we look to the world that has tried to discard Jesus. We find we're just caught up in our in very temporal pleasures, very short-term, um, meaningless, you know, endeavors, and it all leads eventually to despair. And that's why a world really need is hurt and broken, and really needs to find a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. So, if you're here tonight and you don't fully understand this message, I encourage you to press in because there's a revelation waiting for you. There's fresh, there's a fresh insight waiting for you, and that ev- that includes everyone. So, it's revealed in John 14, verse 6, that um, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. 
So what he's saying is that his birth, Jesus' birth changed the narrative. It was the start of a revelation that um, we didn't need to ascribe to the laws of Moses that we really had no chance of upholding. Basically, we don't have to try in our own strength to be perfect because why bother? There's no way that we'd be able to. But we're actually able to take a hold of the promise that Jesus gave, the fresh revelation he gave. So the Bible, it's the physical evidence of this revelation. See, that's actually how the wise men, the Magi, were able to recognize that Jesus was the Messiah because God had given them a revelation that um, his son was going to be born in Bethlehem and they chose to pursue that. that. Likewise, we need to choose to pursue God when he gives us this revelation. So the, difference is, the difficulty is, sorry, is that we find ourselves caught up in life and what is temporal and what is, uh, we think is meaningful but really isn't. And we kind of build for ourselves a revelation built on independence and um, being able to, sanctification, being able to supply everything for ourselves. When we do that, we miss out on the revelation that Jesus is giving us. So, crazy faith, it starts with a crazy revelation because everything we do as Christians needs to be built on the understanding that it's only through Jesus that we're able to achieve salvation, that Christmas only happened because God sent his only son down to earth so that he might save us. And from that, we're able to be empowered by by Jesus when we say yes and by the Holy Spirit who comes inside of us to, to be able to reach other people. So we have a choice here. We can either choose to build our revelation based on our choices in life and our understanding or on God's God's revelation, which is the Bible and the sacrifice that was Jesus. And crazy faith, it starts with a crazy revelation. Romans 10 verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So by reading and applying the word of God, um, we are allowing his revelation to influence our life, which builds our faith, which um, allows us to operate from truth rather than from doubt. So if you don't know how to get a fresh revelation, it's through worship, it's also through the Bible. Alright, second point. Because what happened after is even more exciting because the wise men didn't just get this revelation from the scriptures, they actually chose to pursue it. Which leads into point number two. And that is that after we get a crazy revelation, we need to give a crazy response. So the wise men could have kept this information themselves. It would have been very comfortable in these eastern empires. They would have had everything provided for them. They didn't need to make this long and dangerous journey just to visit a stable, like a manger. But they chose to because the revelation demanded a response that they were willing to give. So what should our response to the Christmas story be? Like, should we act in the comfort that is like idolized and worshipped by Western culture? You know, should we choose to um, just kind of low-key engage with Christmas and share an Instagram story and maybe talk to our neighbours but really only partake in how the world sees Christmas? Or should we choose to respond in a way that glorifies our God? So, um, in everything we do, there is an opportunity to respond Christ-like. You know, to seek what the Holy Spirit is saying and then to act upon what he is directing us to do. So responding to this revelation means that God didn't just save us so that we um, are saved for heaven, but he saved us so we can make a difference in this life now. And we choose to make that difference by responding to his call. Alright? So the question that we should be asking is what do you want me to do, God? Because it's that question that led the wise men 
to pursue Jesus. That question led the wise men to leave what was comfortable, to leave what was easy, to worship Jesus. So the question is, what would happen in your life if you asked that right now? Like, what do you think God would actually say to you? And more importantly, what would your answer to God's question be? Would you choose to respond? I think you should. I think it's really good. So God didn't just make this a one-time occurrence. He didn't just ask the wise men to respond. He's asked everyone in the Bible. So in Exodus, he actually gave a revelation to Moses through the burning bush, telling him to free his people, but Moses had to respond. He could have done the opposite. Just likewise, Jonah got a revelation from God that he needed to preach to the people of Nineveh and ask them to atone for their sins, but he actually did the opposite and fled. Like, sure, he changed his mind, but initially he saw the cost was too high. And we, just likewise like that, we have an opportunity tonight. So maybe God's called you to something. Maybe he's asked you to step into something in 2020 or to step up and take a responsibility to raise the bar of faith. But you need to count the cost and realize that with this revelation, you're going to make the response that glorifies God. Because his response to our sin was to send Jesus. So what should our response to that be? You know, should we just say, that's great, but I would rather just be comfortable and just turn up to church on a Sunday? Or should we choose to pursue Jesus above everything else in our life? So God didn't just send Jesus to save us, but to give a purpose. So what that call is, what that purpose is, it will look different for all of us, but it means that it's going to be more difficult when you choose to pursue it. So the call of God isn't comfortable, it's a challenge. But when you choose to step into that, when you choose to respond, yes, it will be more difficult, but you're going to be relying upon the strength of God, upon the power of his presence, upon the peace that he gives you, rather than our own understanding. It's raising the bar and growing our faith. So we've seen that God has given us a crazy revelation and that that demands a crazy response. But to commit to that response, we need a crazy vision. So point three is to carry out our response, we need a crazy vision. Matthew 2, verse 9, we're going back to the wise men, says that after listening to the king, that was Herod, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen, when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. The magi, the wise men, they reached the Son of God because they were guided by a star. They were guided by a vision that God had set for them in the, in the sky. You know, they had the revelation, they responded, but if they didn't have that star, they never would have been led to, the, to the Bethlehem, to the stable. See, the Bible and the Christmas story gives the revelation that should determine our footsteps. And we make, and some of us make that response. we like, okay, God, I want you to use me. But if we don't set the vision right, then we're going to just retreat eventually back into our old structures and our old comforts. All right, so obviously it's in November. Um, and it's not, it's a few months, no, wait, it's only one month, that's really scary, until New Year. Saying that, can't wait until 2021. However, at New Year's, we do this thing, everyone does it, called New Year's Resolutions, um, and we, we love to joke about it, because it's this iconic stereotype that you cannot keep your resolution. An example of that would be, say for an example, I want to go, I realise that I'm, unhel- I'm unfit, alright? So I have this revelation that I'm unfit that I need to get into shape. So I make the response that's appropriate. I choose to, you know, get that membership to pick some and um, to try and engage. But if I don't set myself the vision, 
of what I want to, of like the level of fitness that I want to achieve, eventually I'm going to realize that marshmallows taste way better than protein and I'm going to spiral back into this structure of comfort, the bar that I've set for myself. I'm going to lower the bar back to what was comfortable for me. So maybe we have these moments of um, the presence of God. We, we experience the presence of God and we feel his revelation. We respond. But if we don't set a vision and atone for that, like work towards that, then we're going to fall back into um, habitual sin. Or we're going to fall back into only being spectators and not participators. You see what I'm talking about right here? I, hope, I really hope I'm preaching to you right now. Because this is where we might start feeling a little bit uncomfortable. It's like, oh no, he's talking to me. Well, that's God, okay? So God is just saying that sometimes he's asked you to reach this bar. But when we like, fail to, we, maybe when we miss out on our prayer time with him or our 20 minutes in the chair, or maybe when we kind of think, I'll skip the service. Or maybe I don't need to talk about God in my workplace. I'll just, no one knows I'm a Christian. Then we start lowering the bar back to what's comfortable for us and we're relying on us and not on God. And do you know why that is? It's because we think that our vision, we've lost the vision, sorry, because our comfort looks better than God's challenge. All right, Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. So basically what that's saying is that unless we commit in ways that honor God and glorify God, like going to church or going to a small group or engaging in worship and refreshing us, then we're going to lose the vision and cast off restraint and head back into the comfort that we enjoyed beforehand. The wise men easily could have realized at any point in their journey that it's difficult, that the Eastern empires were looking very comfortable. They could have just gone back to their palaces, that the snarky hints of King Herod, who was super jealous, by the way, could have been like, all right, maybe this isn't right. It's just a baby. It's just a stable. That's what the other Pharisees said, but like, the wise men decided that short-term comfort wasn't worth it for long-term vision. And that's what we need to decide tonight. That's the challenge right now for you. We need to decide that our short-term comfort isn't, doesn't matter when it's compared to long-term, like long-term vision. When we're allowed an opportunity to give back glory to God through our worship. So, if we're being honest, the Christmas story can serve as a reminder to us asking us where our vision is. So is our vision based off the truth of the Bible or is it the convenience of our lifestyle? And that's a question we should always be asking ourselves. All right, I'm nearly done. And I'm going to wrap up with this last point, which is that, so we've got the crazy revelation. We've, got, we've had the crazy response and we've committed to that with a crazy vision. But unless we embrace all three of those points with crazy worship, then we're going to fall away. I want to explain that because Matthew 2 verse 11 says, going into the house, this is when the wise men made it to Bethlehem. They saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. See, the wise men, they finally made it to Jesus. They committed to the revelation, the response and the vision. They made it to Jesus. They laid down and they bowed and they worshipped. And that is because worship is one of the most important things that we can ever do. As children of God. It, worship isn't something that just happens at the end of this story. It's what should encompass every single point that I just talked about. Worship is found throughout the whole Bible. And I'll explain that right now. So when we choose to worship, we put ourselves in a position 
where we're only hearing from God. We're drowning out everything else that's going around us. We're only putting him on the, on the throne. When that happens, we position ourselves to receive his revelation. Worship is also our response to God's grace. He sent his son to save us from this world. So our worship is a response to that, giving glory back to him. And finally, worship is our vision because we're putting him at the forefront. We're putting him on the throne where he belongs. We're casting off everything else, every idol. We're putting him where he belongs. So we're putting our vision as him. He is our vision. So worship is our response to his amazing presence. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 19 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. So what should our response to this Christmas story be? God used the willingness of the wise men to communicate that every single one of us can have a part to play in the redemption of his world. We have to choose to put his revelation at the foundation of our lives, to respond to the calling that he has given us, and to focus on the vision when things get rough, because things are going to get tough. 2020 isn't over yet. Your in-laws haven't come for Christmas yet. That's a bit lighthearted, but things basically are going to get tough and difficult. But when that happens, we need to hold to the vision through crazy worship. Now, this cycle, it actually can be seen in other people in the Christmas story. It's not just the wise men. So take, for example, Mary. You know, she was just a teenager. And then all of a sudden, uh, God appears to her through the angel um, Gabriel, who says, you know, you're actually going to be, you're a virgin, but you're actually going to have Jesus, and he's the Messiah. And her response to this revelation from God is found in Luke uh, 1 verse 38. It says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What do you think would happen if we responded like that? If we raised the bar enough to trust God, to put him at the front and say, Look, whatever you're going to ask me to do, even if it's tomorrow, whatever happens, no matter how bad it's going to look, no matter how much the world is going to judge me, I am your servant. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word, God, and not mine. That's when we position ourselves to be influencers. So that's submitting everything that we are. And do you know why that's important? It's, because, it's important because we can't advance a kingdom that we're not fully su- submitted to. So as we head into worship, I just want you to, to think about choosing the challenge of raising your bar of faith over the comfort that you're living in. So I I want to encourage you right now. You're in this place for a reason. God is speaking to you right now for a reason. Because he loves you. He obviously, he sent his son to die for you. And he wants you to respond. He wants you to put him as the vision for your life. He wants you to give back and worship to him. It was an opportunity to hear from him tonight. And Lord, I just pray right now, as we head back into worship, God, that your word would just be the ultimate truth for us. God, I pray that you guide us. Lord, that you give every single person here a fresh revelation, that we might have the courage and strength to respond to that. Lord, that you might be our vision. Thank you, God, that we can worship you in every situation. Lord, you are King of kings. Thank you, Father. In your name, amen.